Welcome to Making Bank, the show for Bankless DAO by Bankless DAO, where each week we highlight a project and a personality from inside the Bankless DAO. We want to showcase the work that we do and the people who do it. This is our story as we journey to become more bankless. If you want to learn more about what it is that we do, then just keep listening. We hope you enjoy today's episode of Making Bank. Hi, I'm Drost, and welcome to another episode of Making Bank. Today's guest is Renee from the Project Management Guild at Pankless DAO. The PM Guild was recently formed in response to a need within the DAO. We'll get into all that and a few more things, but first, let's introduce Renee. Welcome to Making Bank. Renee, how are you today? I'm doing fantastic. Thank you. And thanks for the invitation. Super curious about what we're going to discuss today. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, before we get into it, did you want to maybe give a little background on yourself, how you came to Bankless DAO and got into the Project Management Guild, just to give a little context before we get into the subject? For sure. So I joined Bankless DAO in autumn last year. And actually, I was curious about uh, Bankless DAO because I got through HQ and listening to a few of their podcasts like uh, many of uh, Bankless DAO members did before. And I got in touch actually with the Ops Guild uh, in the first place because I have a background in economics and did a lot of uh, different uh, things in financial institutions and now with a software company as my day job. And so I wasn't really fitting perfectly in one of the other guilds. So I thought, well, why don't I try Ops Guild? And that's how I got to know the Project Lifecycle Management Working Group, which is like an awful name. But it was actually the start of PM Guild, and it was based on a forum post of Frog. And... That was my start to get very engaged in Bankless DAO because I have been doing a lot of change management and a lot of project management in my past positions. And hence, that was obviously something that I was hoping to add value. And how it happens so often with when you're joining a DAO that just you try and do some meeting minutes and then take over more work. And then I started to run the coordination of the project lifecycle management working group. So PLM group. And we can talk about the reason why that was founded maybe in a second, not to take away too much of the contextual discussion right away, but that was my main start of the DAO. And now I'm part of the grants committee, um, leading the ops work stream of the extremely exciting Bankless DAO debit card. <laughs> We're calling it card that we are hoping to launch uh, this year. And I'm planning also to be involved in consulting once time permits. Great. Yeah, I remember the PLM working group when it first started. I attended some early meetings and I remember they were talking about going around and trying to be sensitive to to not wanting to be heavy-handed going into a Gilder project and saying, hey, we know how to do things, we're going to show you how. And that wasn't really the approach. It was very different than that. And just trying to help people basically facilitate smoother execution, right? Because, and see maybe some commonalities between different working groups where maybe they had some similar pain points or... Is that a, a good way to characterize how that thing all came about? Yeah, 
Yeah, I think that is a good characterization. And I believe for me, the main point that I felt why we needed that working group back then, and actually we still need it. So that's why I'm happy to have PM Guild, which has a little bit of extended space. It's great that in a DAO, we have a lot of ideas. And if we are able to convince the rest of the DAO, grants committee, etc., we get funding, then we spin up something that we call a project. But then there is, with as with every project, there's quite some execution risk after that, and even more so with a DAO that needs like new governance structures for their projects. And also, we have a quite heterogeneous group of people. And therefore, I think there is need for having someone, part-time or full-time, just to help the whole thing to hold together, be it organization-wise, being it team spirit-wise. Like, there is a lot of elements that project management can, can help with, and I'm sure we are going to talk a lot about what is project management at all. Mm, but this was missing in, in almost all projects when we started the working group. But then the hope was, instead of going into those projects and trying to be a project manager, we just founded a working group that would be a platform for projects to reach out, to understand if they needed help, and to just allow to, say, buffer the most critical issues that projects may have. And that's where we also started to offer retrospectives in, during the working group to help teams to review what they are doing and improve what they are doing. And this is one of the best tools we think that um, projects can apply without having a project manager. Because if you have a structured way of sitting down and taking a timeout just for a moment, pause and understand what did we do well and what is it we didn't do well and what can we learn out of that, then incrementally we are improving. Yeah, I think that's probably a good topic to touch on. Isn't the retrospectives, I think you've probably done about half a dozen of them by now, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. And from what I've heard, the feedback from the teams that you've worked with, they've been extremely valuable. And I'm wondering if you maybe, do we want to dig into it a little bit later or would you like to touch on that now? No, we can also touch touch on that now. I believe everything is connected to everything. So ultimately, all paths will lead us to the philosophical questions. <laughs> yeah, because I almost think with this kind of a conversation, rather than talking about project management in the abstract, I think coming down to some exactly. concrete examples of what we've had to deal with here within the DAO, yeah. that I would argue that probably anyone listening, most people listening to this podcast can identify with some of those pain points because truthfully, at this point, we've a lot of our listeners are the most active bankless DAO members, and we obviously hope mm -hmm. to expand beyond that. But I think you're going to touch on some pretty common through lines here. So I'd say mm -hmm. let's go ahead and dig right into it. One of the more, more interesting parts of a retrospective is even that ideally you will identify not the common themes through all projects, but you will identify very individual themes of the projects. And I'm going to explain to you in a second why uh, I think this is useful. But you're right, there are still um, common themes that we identified. So from uh, just from a very simplified logic, 
I myself tend to not take enough time to reflect on my life. And I have my plans to meditate on a daily basis. And I have my plans to review my progress in life quarterly and stuff. But I tend to not do it enough. And I have the feeling this is just very human. Hence, also, many, many teams don't do that. And it helps a ton if you have someone from the outside coming into the team every now and then and cadence can be ideally bi-weekly but then even like we're doing it now every season once help everyone to really take a step back and don't focus on the daily work and that's actually what we do with retrospectives and why it was useful for the projects to have someone from pm guild come and run those retrospectives because that person doesn't have any anything to do with the day-to-day -day work of the project and therefore is unbiased, can just be a moderator, et cetera, et cetera. And that's how we are using that hour to identify, praise the team or help the team to praise itself of what went well and look openly at what didn't go well and how can we improve on that. And ideally, if you do that bi-weekly, then you start to really do an incremental imp improvement process because then you're talking really about small things that happened that created friction between people, communication, that created more difficult, um, wrong decisions, etc., etc. So... Ideally, and that's why I said in the beginning, you identify very unique things in a team. You do that retrospective bi-weekly. You identify small things. And with that, I think maybe you've heard about this 1% better thing. So the more you improve incrementally, then ultimately after a season, you've improved a ton if you do that bi-weekly. And that's actually the goal, what we want to achieve, that all projects adopt this process and maybe even get to a point where they can do it bi-weekly. Uh, yeah. Sometimes you're just so busy knocking out tasks and doing all those oh. things that, you know, stepping back and taking a look at the bigger picture. Are we staying aligned with, with what our stated direction is? Uh -huh. Where's the chain broken? Where are we falling down? Yeah. Yeah. And being honest with one's own team and each other about where you're at with that. And then also coming to some consensus on the next steps. And have you gotten to that point yet with those retrospectives where you've gone in and done the retrospective and then there's an outcome from that that, that has maybe some actionables mm. that do you guide them? Do you help work with them on, on dealing with those actionables or is that really up to the team then to, to implement some of the outcomes of those retrospectives? Yeah. Or is it meant to, for them to iterate internally yeah. after that? So what we commonly see, and it's also very human, if you do retrospectives only once a season, then you tend to identify the big things like, oh, we don't have enough external funding. How will we fund us in the future? And, oh, we are unable to pay our contributors enough. And uh, all the async work is difficult, uh, all the time zones. So like the common themes that just the DAO has and maybe even will have for a longer period. And what we are trying still to, to help the teams to see is, ideally, in a retro, you identify the things that are within your own power. 
so that really you yourself can solve because then A, it has a big psychological effect of, wow, I improved my life because I did something instead of victimizing myself. And that, to your point, have we been able to help the teams? Ideally, we identify things that the teams are able to help themselves. Great. Actually, that is a good segue into um, the other prong here of what the PM Guild hopes to achieve, and that is educating and training DAO members in best practices so that whether or not you are a project manager with experience or don't have any experience in it, or maybe you've got experience in another area, maybe Web2, traditional project management, or maybe you're coordinating a project and just don't have the the tool in your tool bag for addressing some of the things that you know. People that are close to projects know what needs to be done. It's not necessary, or often know what needs to be done or the high priorities, but how do you implement those and how do you sync with everyone? I think that's part of it. Would you agree with that or am I? Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. And I feel that when it comes to education, something that we learn while we build the PM Guild, at least my current state, and it's actually evolving every day, is that education is twofold. One part is the tooling and, for example, retrospectives or any planning sessions or anything in that sense, or even using tools like Asana for project planning. These are important skills that can help the DAO a lot if we spread this knowledge. And at the same time, and I sometimes feel even more important, is the safe philosophical part of uh, project management. Because I have the impression that DAOs get strong through iterative improvement through them recognizing that a DAO is a like a biological organism that just moves in the directions that it moves and recognizes whether the movement brought improvement or not. So, I don't know, octopus that spreads their tentacles and, and hopes that, that one of the tentacles moves in the direction that helps. And I feel one of the big things that we can achieve to everyone in the DAO is having that bravery or that that inner strength to allow for exploration and then I think Tracheopteryx once said in a podcast with, with David on HQ in a layer one episode, sense and respond. So you explore your sense and you respond on whatever you did. And if you do that in even the tiniest part, then a lot of anxiety goes away because you just move a tiny part. You don't have to plan so much. And that uh, reduces also your grip on whatever future you hope to control. So it, it reduces a lot of the things that we commonly may associate with project management. So predicting the future, doing work packages and executing on those work packages. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I was also thinking about finding talent, right? These talents and skills naturally bubble up. And I think as you try these various things and people jump into, I think John says, um, like in Podcast Hatchery, if you come and hang around for very long, you're gonna, we're going to hand you a broom and you're gonna, we're going to put you to work. <laughs> 
love it. But you know what? And we joke about it, but it's really true. Justice said just in the last episode we just released that one, and this is true, one of the easiest things you can do to get started working in a group is take notes, take meeting notes. You get really intimate with the content, you listen carefully, and it's a very low risk way to, to get plugged in and add value immediately. Uh, but anyway, that's one example where a person can jump in. But then you start to realize that maybe skills you, that you hadn't uncovered before, that you hadn't used in this context, suddenly you realize either you like it or maybe it's something you're good at that you'd like to upskill on. And these are some of those ways that things bubble up. And then I would imagine that as you're going through retrospectives and the teams and projects start taking on some of these, not taking on, but implementing some of these tactics and so on, and they start to identify. And just like you're talking about identifying talent in these various areas of, uh, you had said someone who is almost, I, I like, I use the, uh, maybe like a ringmaster in a circus, mm -hmm. someone who kind of keeps all the things spinning and keeps all the actions going. Um, you know, some people are really, really good at that and may not even know they're good at yeah. it until they've had to do it a little bit. And then maybe you've got the a set of tools or a set of templates or whatever that can help facilitate mm -hmm. that. Um, That's an point. Yeah, I have some thoughts on that. And I just wanted to mention to your point on getting involved and taking notes. I really want to second that and even expand on that. I started taking notes for the PLM team in the beginning. But what I did was during taking the notes, I started to also be the person that said, hey, guys, can we please come back to this point? Because it's actually not properly minuted like this. So we seem to miss here something. We're like branching off too much. So this way, through one or two sessions, I started to like literally moderate the session, which then made me from taking notes to being the coordinator of the team. And that's something really that maybe others can apply to in other teams. Yeah, that has happened elsewhere. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, absolutely. It's interesting how those things, and that's how you scale up. And it's not like, oh man, you know, early in, you take on a new job or you're, you're starting out in your career or whatever, and everything just seems so big and insurmountable. There's all these skill areas that you don't have yet or that, that imposter syndrome and you fake it till you yes. make it kind of thing. And pretty soon you figure out that you're becoming competent in that area. And I think part of it has yes. to do with the fear of failure. If you have to go give a presentation in front of a group or you have to go do something or deliver something and it comes that day and you don't have it, or if it's that fear of saying, uh, no, I didn't get it done or whatever it is that, that sometimes that fear is the motivator and you say, you know what, next time I'm not doing it that way. Yeah. But uh, I, I really, I, I really like that thought. Yeah. It's the same with doing a podcast, right? Either as a moderator or as a uh, participant like me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Very you similar. know, well, and that's the thing. I mean, the lack of the skill set, it's an opportunity if you're honest about your capabilities. And, you know, I said multiple times on this podcast, it's like, I, I just started doing this. I mean, I've done some public speaking in the past and doing product seminars and things, but I haven't done this kind of thing. And then as far as the audio engineering, I've had some help on this before it gets published and we had to get some out before they were double checked. And the audio, if you go back and listen to some of the episodes, we're going to clean them up. But there's a couple episodes where I'm not real happy with the audio quality because I was still learning. I still am. And I uh, got some help from other people and like Liquidity hopped in and he said, hey, um, I listened to this section and here's a couple of things you could do to make it sound better. And I've upskilled my audio engineering uh, specifically because of feedback like that. Um, That's amazing. I really love that because uh, I feel this is a perfect also real life example of 
how what I said earlier with just having the bravery to um, to go and experiment and sense and respond and with that to improve that is that is really great and sometimes you don't know what you don't know mm, yes uh, you want to try a, a new area you want to skill up and do this explore yeah yeah but you have it's just like DeFi or, or anything crypto you have hmm. to work with these protocols to understand how they work. And you try to do it in a smart way, so you're not risking a lot of capital. But you need to learn how they work. And if you know you put a little, a couple hundred bucks into an LP contract, and of course you wouldn't want to do that because it's not effective, especially on L1 with the transaction visa stuff. I'm putting my point is that you have to do things in order to learn what you don't know and the things that you really need to focus on. And I think that to me that is probably part of the benefit of doing these retrospectives, and then also what you're doing with PM Guild again, identifying the talent, and then upskilling and identifying and validating competencies, right? And so once someone does yeah. develop that competency, how do you communicate that? And especially with some of the things you're doing with working also with bankless consulting, where they may have an outside client that has a certain level of expectation. And they want to know that they have a certain skill level of folks that are on the team in whatever capacity that they're participating. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And I also realize now that you're, you're alluding a little bit more on how you came about your learning curve on the podcast. I also realized that funding the, so founding the PM Guild, uh, we did that before we were completely sure how to identify talent and how to do the upskilling. And this is really something that I love with many projects or other initiatives of the DAO that we just go and try it and figure out the way as we go. And this makes us really, really strong. And ultimately, we're finding the right way. Yeah, absolutely. Did you want to unpack some of that a little bit in terms of... Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So to, to your point on the talent, identifying the talent, this is actually something where I'm, I would also ask everyone that's listening to this podcast if we want to identify and curate good project managers, then there is a good chance people that are good project managers, even th through experience or maybe because they just have the talent for that, they must be somewhere in the DAO and and they may be not have they may not have found the way to the PM guild. And so if you know someone or you are listening and you have interest in project management, then joining the PM guild would be super beneficial, not only for you but also for the PM guild. Because currently this is the first season. So we are still learning as to what are really the skills that we want to train project managers. And there is a lot to be said about that maybe in a second, but just to not detail too much in, at this moment, there is a lot to, to identify which skills we want to train. And also we are just finding out what is the useful way to curate talent. For example, now only this week we are talking about who should be the right what could be the right signal at this moment in time which skill level a um, project manager has and and we don't have any training like training tracks ready this is all stuff that we still need to build 
so what we are currently doing as a first step is just asking other project managers to, to endorse project managers on their skills. And the more people you have that endorse um, that specific skill, then maybe that skill is stronger. And if you have less, then obviously weaker. Yeah, and that speaks to reputation um, in a more yeah. in a broader sense as well. Uh, I know yeah. we're talking a lot, not necessarily dig into it here, but about on-chain reputation and cross-community validation. I think Justice talked about that uh, a bit in terms of within Bankless DAO. We, you know, there's the core contributors. You've got people you know can deliver. You've got others that have maybe not been around as long. Maybe you're their guest contributor or guest members, but they're contributing just as much, if not more than somebody who's got another level either through the amount of bank they hold or through having been nominated as a level two. Yeah. yeah. And I feel from a vision perspective, we have a lot that we want to achieve with PM Guild. And I think we can achieve because really Web3 is something that project management will need to evolve for to really fit to DAOs, DAO structures, and like everything that DAOs may become in the coming one, two years. And I actually was talking the other day to one person, and his handle is Sheep to Moon, who found his way to the PM Guild through some some connections and he's actually connected to scrum.org which is a very famous project management standard setter and he says that there is a lot of discussions in the traditional project management world as to how crypto web3 and DAOs will maybe need a stronger or maybe not that strong change in how project management works for these organizations. And if we can be like at the forefront of that, if we can be people for, for what this change needs to be, and if we, for example, that would be something that we would like to develop, create a certification around Web3 project management, then we can start creating income streams, which is actually not even what guilds want to achieve. But if it comes as a byproduct, then that's great. And we can really, not only for the DAO, but also for the whole DAO space, create a center of competence that other DAOs can also come to and learn. And that's really something that I'm super excited for creating in the coming seasons. Yeah, that's to me, that's a great longer term direction too, is to, and it's even stated in your, in your, I believe this is in the forum post about forming the, yeah. the PM Guild and that, that really you also want to become a mecca for, for Web3 project management. Also thought leadership yeah. and having that kind of, I like the idea of having a certification so you've, and then make that on chain, do all the things, exactly. and then have that be cross-community validation, right? So, wow, you know how to do this. You've done uh, whatever the parameters are for the level of certification. It's like, oh, cool. We, we have a certain level sure. of confidence here exactly. because that's why they bring, why people bring in product project management experts in the first place. It's like, look, we need some professional guidance here. And then if the person you're bringing in, you don't know their qualifications or what projects they've worked on in the past, it's like, well, is this actually going to move us forward or not? <laughs> you know, yeah. if you have false starts, you bring in the yeah. wrong project manager or somebody that isn't Absolutely. really skilled in it. And it's harder for them too. you know, want to make sure. And I think that's been 
I think that's a little bit of the reluctance, even, you know, you hop into a work group and you've maybe run a small project in the past and, you know, people hear that and say, oh, you've run a project. Great. You want to manage this project? And you come into the middle of it and there's a lot of stuff already going on. There might be some responsibility and not necessarily the authority to it's like, okay, look, here are the, here are some challenge areas that I think we need to address. And then it's like, well, wait a minute, we didn't bring you in to do that. It's actually an interesting point that you mentioned. I realize now that you talk about it, usually if, say, now we're talking about maybe more a change agent or a project coach than a project manager. Right. So, so a person that really comes in more of a consultant form. And usually these people in traditional companies are ideally strongly endorsed by management. So there comes in now a new skill set um, that as a coach uh, you need to have, or at least you have to have it even stronger in the sense of putting your own legitimacy through your actions and that from the get-go. Because there is, of course, as with every person, change doesn't come easy to teams and you will face a lot of critique and questions when you come and want to change something. So that's an interesting uh, point that I haven't thought about. Yeah, it, uh, I wouldn't say it just occurred to me. I just, you know, think back on, on various yeah. teams I've been involved in. And I'm not necessarily talking about this space. It's just, you know, the nature of human dynamics when you've got an established group and then you've got a, a person or people coming in that are, quote, the fixers. And then yeah. there could be a set of expectations that are unfair. And I think so setting that up front, helping to guarantee or improve the chances of success. For sure. Pretty interesting, yeah. Especially when you're saying that there can be high expectations or even unfair expectations. I'm even tending to think this will be more the the regular case than the exception, right? Because usually when do you bring someone external in the game? It's always when you think now we're out of options as a team, we need someone else to help us. So there will be super high expectations. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, there's a lot of there's a lot of practical challenges. I think there's certainly human dynamics that come into play. Yeah, and that was that's what makes for me PM Guild so fascinating, because we whenever we have our weekly sessions, um, the most interesting talks that we have aren't about like how do you use Asana to effectively manage your uh, manage your team, because I often have the impression the answers to such questions, they come to everyone during their like professional career anyway. And if you don't know how to use those tools, then uh, even the web is an, an amazing place to learn it quickly. But when it comes to those hard and harder to learn skills that are more like soft, then the discussions that we have in the weekly sessions, these are the most inspiring and interesting ones because then people come with the hard and hard questions and a lot of human challenges. And this really fascinates me all the time, um, how humans act and uh, how emotions sometimes make cooperation difficult and then how to help in such situations. Yeah. And that's really the root of it all. It really does all come down to people. And this whole issue we talk about of human coordination and having mechanisms that 
that can't be gamed and that whole brings up all other kinds of interesting topics and conversations but yeah it is it is pretty fascinating it's almost like those meetings are a debrief and being able to True. Almost like group therapy. I hate to think of it, no, but almost like group therapy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this, it's, sometimes it feels like that, and not necessarily in the sense of group therapy. People with a lot of problems, right? right. But people that are there. This happens on Fridays, right? And it's so interesting to see how there is now a hard core of people that even many of them and i feel the same say this is just the hour a week that i love to to attend to because i feel i get smarter i solve problems in that have been lurking around in my head for a while so yeah i, I think group therapy is not even a bad description of that <laughs> <laughs> well you know meetings there's a balance, right? That can be super rigid and we're going to stick to the agenda. We have nine minutes for this thing. We have 12 minutes for that and yeah. we're not going to run over a period. And I think you have to leave space for these other discussions. Obviously you have to limit it because you need to get things done, but, or have a specific, like you said, a specific session where that's the purpose of the yeah. session. It's like, no, we're not going through budgets today. We're going to talk about human relationships. And uh, yeah, I think having a topic for the day actually can be useful too. That you exactly. that, that you it. put out there ahead of time, and then so people yeah. come in with already some ideas in their head, rather than having to be a, yeah. be creative on the spot or be thoughtful on the spot. For sure, and I feel these these are the kind of discussions that I'm really having a hard time imagining them in an async way. So these are really made for such such a discussion in a meeting. Agreed. Hey, we yeah. are running up against your deadline. You have a meeting coming up here shortly. Oh, I want to make yes. sure that we we get to the calls to action. You would talk, really to me, it's a two-pronged approach. One is guilds, teams, projects that maybe need some assistance and could use some guidance from PM Guild. That's one piece. And you do retrospectives. A number of services are available. And it really just starts with reaching out to the folks in PM Guild and saying, look, here's where we're at. Uh, here's what we'd like to do. How can you help? And then you guys can move yeah. forward with that. The second piece, of course, is skilling up. If people are interested in this side of things, it is a, to me, I joke, <laughs> I joke sometimes about nobody wants to do project management. Um, <laughs> but I, 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 I say that a bit tongue in cheek. And the thing is, we all are project managers on some level, even if you're just yeah. doing one of your own projects. And if it's something big, you have to break it down into manageable components. And let's say you're building something at your house. Do you want to make 15 trips to the hardware store? No. Let's make our list of materials. Let's make sure we <laughs> measure twice, <laughs> cut once. All those things that just make sense. But then suddenly yeah. when it gets into a business context or you're working with a group of people and it's some deliver other deliverable suddenly it's something else a lot of commonalities there anyway yeah. but if you feel like that's something that resonates with you if you like to help facilitate coordinate folks and and like digging into those things and helping uh, improve processes all those pieces really there's and it's not any one person can do all those things that's the other piece um, yeah. And also to your point on no one likes to do project management, I think I understand where you're coming from. For me, project management always was very fascinating and just very attractive because I feel at least in projects of the size in the DAO, so we're not talking like 300 million software implementation in some big company, 
but we're talking like project management in a DAO project. This gives you so much influence because you're actually not limited to one job and a one very specific job. And, and hence, you can find your way as to what does the project need, which, which help. And that, that I feel is a really, really useful and also, yeah, esteemed task. Yeah, you bring up a really good point there. I think in this permissionless environment, I think also people come in, whether it's Bankless DAO or anywhere else, come into a Discord and they're not sure where to get plugged in. You start attending meetings and so on, and maybe people that come in early, maybe they're not as vocal, whatever, don't feel as comfortable speaking out. But what you brought up is it's easy, I think, and especially when you're coming in to a new place and you don't have the baggage you know, or you don't have... Yeah. Sometimes not having the context is helpful because you may identify things that weren't identified before. And listen in for a while and then suddenly you start to figure out, hey, they've got this pain point or there's this area that's being neglected that I know how to do. Exactly. And, and jump in and say, look, hey guys, I can help with that. Exactly. And that's a great way to start, yeah. just like that. And, and then I like things that have a beginning, a start, and an end. I'm not a fan of these ongoing things that just... <laughs> just <laughs> never wraps up it's like you've, you've yeah, got that's you're, why you're, you're like constantly doing status checks but it never well no actually it is every episode is a complete project yeah yeah for sure you know you schedule the interview you do the interview you do the cleanup you edit it yeah, and you yeah, put yeah. it out there and boom it's done and then you yeah. see how many people end up listening to it man it wraps up it's a completed project every episode and that's the way nice. i view it and they're nice. they're done and it's under the completed column and you know those build up over time and that sense of accomplishment is there and i think that's also part of it too you have to have these little rewards along the way and feel like you're knocking things off for me that's very satisfying to be able to draw that line through or for it. me as well for me as well i know i'm i'm really imagining how satisfying it must be for you <laughs> very satisfying no yes of course all right, sir. Well, we've got the calls to action. We've got the ways to get involved. Do you, I know you're, the PM Guild now has a Twitter account. Do you also want to have your individual Twitter follows? And do you have any other socials or ways you'd like to get plugged in? We'll also obviously put in the show notes and so on. And also put the forum post link in there that describes the formation of the PM Guild. Uh, sure. Is there anything else you wanted to touch on before we wrap up? No, absolutely not. It was a really, really nice discussion. I have been looking forward to it, and I enjoyed it as much as I hoped I would. Well, thank you very much, Renee. Thank you. Take care. All right. And that's a wrap. Thanks for listening. This has been Making Bank, a production of Bankless DAO. If you'd like to learn more about Bankless DAO, please visit bankless.community on the web for more information on how to get started. And of course, if you like what we're doing, please like, subscribe, and follow on your favorite podcast platform.